Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here along with Sin City Steve and Simon Street on the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting and this week DJ Impact starts his long vacation and so we brought here one of the uh, best uh, you know guys we know around. Uh, he has his own show according to Woods, Mr. Adam Woods, one of the most knowledgeable guys about pro wrestling and MMA. What's going on, Adam? What's good, party people? It's uh, an honor to be here with you guys. I'm not a Vegas bad boy, but I'm a, I'm a moderately naughty uh, gentleman from, uh, I guess, uh, Los Angeles or Sleaze. So there you go. <laughs> I mean, if you can't work your gimmick, you can't work, right? So just say it. This is true. This is very oh, true. Man. Um, so, you know, uh, having you here, Adam, uh, you uh, chose a great time uh, because – uh, Sin City Steve was actually at Double or Nothing last week, and uh, we're going to do something a little different. We're actually going to talk about AEW here from the perspective of uh, being at the live event and, of course, Simon Street and uh, Adam Woods watching the event as well. And uh, Dynamite has the follow-up and just kind of get into that and then uh, give us some opinions uh, later on on uh, the rest of the week of wrestling. So, Steve, uh, you know, the atmosphere in the T-Mobile Center, or, you know, listen, we got hockey going on. We got the Stanley Cup Finals going on. We know how crazy that is. We got one to know. One to know. So what was it like for, um, you know, for the uh, crowd in there? And we're seeing all these pictures of empty seats, camera, hard camera side, which they're trying to, you know, play off as they couldn't sell tickets. What was the atmosphere like, and uh, how did that night start off, and how did it go for you, man? Sure. So ultimately, let, let's talk about the elephant in the room right out of the gate. Um, every photo on the internet uh, shot from, um, I guess you could say, uh, opposite hard cam, uh, shooting back facing the hard cam, uh, you see the nearly two empty sections. Um, it was brought to light on Pat McAfee's show, Uh, He made the comment that the arena was three quarters empty, blah, blah, blah. The fact of the matter is outside of those two sections where the hard cam was, it was pretty well, it was pretty well populated. Um, And a lot of the images at first uh, happened during the, uh, during the pre-show, during the buy-in. Now keep in mind what time in the afternoon that is. That's four o'clock in the afternoon. So obviously it's this, that, and the other, but no matter what kind of a narrative that you want to believe, you'll find facts to support your viewpoint. So I could sit here and recant everything that I witnessed firsthand, everything that I saw, but ultimately it's up to the viewer to make their own opinion and not be swayed or, you know, feed into a narrative that's out there. Um, Even though they did sell, 1500 less tickets than last year so correct they they that that is a fact they did sell fewer tickets than they did the previous year um ultimately from what i saw uh in and i was directly opposite hard cam so what i saw was obviously those two nearly empty sections um but as i looked to my left and i looked to my right i saw plenty of people um and it, I don't know. Um, 
I don't know if they're going to be back at T-Mobile Arena. I know according to the media scrum, Tony Khan had mentioned that, you know, they were that T-Mobile Arena was a great partner for them, blah, blah, blah. But you kind of have to wonder if they're going to be back. Um, I know that Vegas was where AEW was formed. Um, the first show, Double or Nothing, in 2019 um, was at the MGM Grand. But ultimately, they may need to give this market a bit of a rest. Um, there are a lot of things at play right now. Um, and, you know, you can you can say whatever you want with regards to inflation or, you know, the economy. Um, people have less disposable income right now. And, you know, things are higher priced, such as lodging, uh, which is definitely a contributing factor. Also, let's call it what we will. The product isn't that hot in AEW. And it's not as hot as what it was one year ago. That's a fact. So it was almost just a litany of reasons why this show um, did not perform. And unfortunately, I think that a lot of the in-ring, um, the in-ring performances um, reflected that. Um, so often we see mediocre cards um, that just happen to be done in front of great crowds and the crowd is able to elevate the quality of that show match by match. Um, this show actually, it, it started pretty hot. The battle Royal was, was pretty hot. And quite frankly, you, you all know how I feel about battle Royals. I fucking hate them. Uh, that being said, this was probably one of the better battle Royals that AEW has done in recent memory. Um, the problem is from there, you follow it up with a match that in theory, everybody should have gone crazy over Adam Cole versus Chris Jericho in an unsanctioned match. No, they, they just did not react very well to this match. Um, I don't know if it was the build. Um, I don't know if it was the quite frankly, unnecessary match stipulation. Um, it, it was very interesting to me that a city that is built on MMA and where MMA is, you know, the Mecca is Las Vegas. You have essentially an MMA finish with a ref stoppage under a ground and pound and the crowd doesn't pop for it. So, it was, so let, it let, let Adam, let Adam jump, jump in on that because I think, uh, Adam, you know, you're shaking your head there. What's your feelings on that being that you're so versed in MMA, man? I, I completely agree with uh, Steve here because, yes, it is. It, I mean, it's a finish. I mean, we just had uh, UFC Fight Night Vegas, right? And you get your stipulations, at least in the UFC, right, on finishes or ma match performance or submissions, right? We had a finish, a, a, you know, what you would want out of a 15 or a 25 main card, main event, or title fight. And we had that here. And I don't think – I think the build was – great in terms of like what they did in situated Britt Baker and you know the caning or whatever but I think there was a lot of stuff on Twitter about how Adam Cole wasn't necessarily handcuffed right, right. so I think that a lot of luster because we are serving at least AEW is serving a you know like a hardcore like insider you know like uh, pardon the pun but like keyboard warrior-esque you know fan base right and with that all being said, once you have a, something like that go out on Twitter, there is a, I mean, a, literally a Twitter, 
account called AEW Botches. And they come up with fresh content almost on a daily basis. AEW has, what, two, maybe three shows a week? Right now that Dark and Dark Elevation are gone, you know, going into Coalition, and here we are, right? So um, I also thought, right, and I thought it was just me. Um, I don't know. Okay. Jim Cornette. Jim Cornette right. said the quiet part that I was thinking out loud, that both Jericho and uh, Adam Cole, I mean, they were over in other places, right? Right, maybe in a WWE system and Jericho a WCW system, but they look like they were maybe two and a half steps behind, right? That they were missing each other's spots. That they were like they might have put concrete in their wrestling boots because it it was just the the match flow was just a bit off, and I would say two and a half steps. You know, it's like when you see somebody just hit the ropes for the first time and they kind of timid or whatever. That was the entire match. To two tenured professionals, literally over what fifty years experience between them both, right? And I, I just think you know it was just lackluster, 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 and then you get the finish. Well, it does. You, you could have had that, you know, the young buck exploding thing here in this match, and I guarantee you, you would have gotten the same result out of the fan reaction. So I don't think it's because of there is just something missing, and I don't know what it is, and. I think in terms of AEW's booking, because there's so much, so much that goes on week to week, right? At, you know, and show to show that I think a lot of people forgot about the whole Britt Baker getting attacked and everything like that. They did it so far stretched out that it wasn't even in the purview of did, the people in attendance. Was it that they forgot or they didn't care? Because maybe that, that is another thing. It's like, this was an assault on this guy's wife mm -hmm. and it just kind of uh, either from the time distance or just the way they handled it because of Jericho's, you know, smugness and, and Cole's almost, uh, you know, not, he didn't react like his wife just got caned in front of him for the next couple of weeks. So because even on Dynamite, when they had the contract signing um, and they re-showed that, it was kind of dead. So I don't 100%. know. And also, I mean, I happen, you know, if you were, you know, you were at the event live. Well, I mean, you're in California in it, the forum in Inglewood. The last thing that we saw in terms of female performers is with Willow Nightingale you know, bust up, uh, was it Anna Jay or what? I'm sorry. It's either Anna Jay or, yeah. um, Anna. yeah, it was Anna, right? Well, she got her head split open. So the caning in terms of, you know, like less is more, the, the caning isn't the worst thing that we've seen. If you watch AEW week to week, it's not even the worst thing that you saw done to a female by a male week to week. So I, I think that that also has it. You know, when we were watching ECW and, you know, Francine was getting pal drive through the table and whatever, we never saw that before. Mae Young getting, you know, you know, powerbombed by Bubba Ray. We had never seen it before to an older lady, right? We've, how many, what, 20 some odd years, you know, 20, 25, almost 30 years between those two events respectively. And, and then just AEW alone, we see 
crazy stuff happen or a Jay Cargill match. That lady kills her opponents. Now, you could attribute it to being green or what have you. But, yeah, like there's a, a place on earth, you know, kind of montage of her just wrecking uh, female competitors. And it is rough. That is probably worse than an MMA match. I, I think I would rather, if I was an AEW uh, competitor going up against Jade Cargill, I would probably like literally do a, a gamut of just maybe Chris Cyborg, Amanda Nunes, and just punch out only, because right? that was safer than a Jade Cargill match. All right, Simon Street, why don't you chime in a little bit, because you're sitting here silent. Um, you're kind of hearing what the, the thoughts are about you know some of this in terms of... Uh, you know, the 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 product, the storylines, um, you got a chance to kind of watch some of this uh, last week. What do you feel that you're feeling on, on along those lines that the guys are talking about here? Well, I think a lot of it, and I've said it before, AEW needs seasoning. And the reason why I use that analogy is, is you can have a core of something with good ingredients, but if you lack seasoning, in just the right amount and you spread it across, you're serving up something that's incomplete. And I think that, you know, again, and I've always said it, man, I, Steve, you know, I'm always saying it, right? There's good talent and there's good veterans who can facilitate seasoning. The bigger problem is, is management, the way the company is run. And I'm sorry, I'm always going to go back to Tony Khan. I get it. I, I'm not there, but I can only assume because I've seen other companies take the same problem road you're trying to facilitate everything in one direction with only just you you're not vince mcmahon vince mcmahon was able to do that if that's truly the case and even he didn't do it all the time because he has constituents that handled that stuff you have to learn to delegate because if you had the right people in place you could have taken um as as adams has said before or and i think steve said too you know I called them like C matches, right? If you looked at the card, you could have added seasoning and turned that into a B. You could have used the what we've known for years, build up matches, which requires you to have consistent storylines and dedicate yourself to them. WWE finally realized, hey, let's just dedicate ourselves to it. If it doesn't go good, let's close the chapter. Let's not leave these chapters open. Michaels, you made an excellent point with Adam Cole. And with his wife getting caned, I did not see the reaction that I wanted. I was looking for him to be distraught like Edge was when Beth Phoenix got taken out. Not seeing that again. That's direction. You need the right people in place to where their singular, singular job is just booking. You need another person, storyline. Now, I'm not saying that AEW doesn't have that, but if you don't have the owner of your company directing that, following up, making sure that it's quality, not quantity, you're going to find yourself in desperate situations. And that's something else y'all talked about. Y'all talked about how too much is, is, is they're doing too much. And the reason why they're doing that is because they're trying to just go for spots. I get it. Spots are important. I get that. But you're forcing it. You see what I'm saying? You're trying to get your spoon feeding. And that just being honest, because, again, I'm going to go back. AEW has quality talent. It's not like when AEW first started and you had a couple of no-names. They have so much good tops. Yes, yes. I, I'm with you, Bam Bam. 
Yes. Too American, much bleeding. It's too yeah. much bleeding. I American, say- Bam Bam, American Bam Bam says, so So if you're listening to the show, uh, so we can all blame, uh, so we can all blame this on Mox bleeding too much, question mark. Slicey, 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 slicey. Well, even to say about the bleeding, which I looked at double or nothing, you know, Arn Anderson biting Luchasaurus's freaking thumb and is bleeding. Like, I didn't need to see all that. That wasn't necessary. Okay, so first off, that was fake blood. I know it was fake blood, but I'm saying it was. was, It's so real to me, damn it. Well, look, 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 look. We I all know what's we all case. Okay, you know. But let me, but let me ask you. There are those individuals that are all yes. right now. He bit his fucking thumb off. <laughs> we have to start giving like uh, AEW has to start doing a disclosure. All things that you see on this show are a figment of storyline and storytelling. All are not real. But anyways, it was too much. I felt like it wasn't even necessary, like at all. And I know we've seen those too many times. That that's my take on it, guys. I, I could keep going on for like four hours on it. Of just Tony Khan needs to take a seat back. If he's gonna work on expanding the brand, so be it. Do it, brother. Go and expand it to everybody. Okay. But you need to start delegating and putting the right people in place. If Jericho's one of your main people that's doing it, he needs to stop having these matches. He needs to take a back seat and start really putting some season on there. Because right now, I'm sorry, man. Um, so, so Steve, let's, let's really quick then, uh, you know, look at the, with all that being said, um, the main event was, was the, you know, the whole shebang of going around and everything and, you know, all that stadium stuff, but in true AEW fashion, right. The real main event should have been the heavyweight championship if this truly is a wrestling company, right? So, okay, I can I can definitely answer that question. Okay, and ultimately, on the surface, if we assume that the craziness of the anarchy in the arena match is very easily cleaned up, and if there's not too much downtime from having to reconstruct the ring or whatever they're going to do, then yes, I could see the world championship match going on last. But the fact of the matter is logistically from a time constraint point of view, because if, if you guys remember to double or nothing, 2022, the biggest thing that everybody had their panties in a twist about was that, Oh my God, the show was five fucking hours long. Okay. So logistically and for time reasons i can understand specifically why they had that match go on last um they're um traditionally uh and and tony khan actually did mention this in the media scrum um of the um of the three double or nothing events they've had multi-man matches go on last three times so um essentially it's almost as if there's a precedent for it being set that there's going to be a multi-man match, whether it's Stadium Stampede or Anarchy in the Arena, that goes on last. Um, so, you know, it, it it is what it is. Um, yes, they could always, you know, make that change and and go back to the world title going on last. Um, but there are some instances where it is warranted. Um, I can definitely say the surprise uh, open challenge answer by Chris Statlander 
I think that was the time when the crowd actually woke back up from all of this bullshit. Um, everybody was in a daze or I don't know, maybe everybody was stoned. I don't know what the fuck it was, but they finally woke up after, you know, the, the Chris Statlander unveiling. And then they were completely sold out for that, you know, that 40 seconds or whatever. And then obviously you have the four pillars match and they actually, those four guys went out, they killed it. Um, the build leading up to that match was not good. And we had mentioned that numerous times on the show. Uh, but the fact of the matter is they went out there, all four of those guys did deliver and the match elevated all four of those guys completely. The <laughs> John, John, John says on the chat here, the crowd applauded the fact that Statlander didn't injure her knee for a third time. So <laughs> who, who has a better knee um, uh, karma, uh, Chris Statlander or uh, Bautista in his early run? Anyone? Bro. Anyone? Anyone? It's terrible. But I love uh, that's, that's a good comparison. Yeah, Mari Yamasaki to Chris Slatlander. I think her, you know, you're, you guys were talking about the Four Pillars match. I think from a female perspective, along with Britt Baker, she was one of the ones. And yes. come on, uh, Tony Khan and the whole whatever, you know, jazz wears, they're talking about like the female talent that they're going to have for the AEW line. Please, jazz wears, AEW, we need Abaddon, more Abaddon. Just saying, it's definitely it's it's definitely something that's missing in that that women's division. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately those four guys they they gave it everything that they had, and the crowd was awake for it. The crowd was completely sold sold out for these guys. Um, and then obviously you have the anarchy in the arena match following that. Um, of course, obviously. You know, everybody knows MJF retained that title, so I don't even really have to go down that list. But, you know, in the Anarchy in the Arena match, you obviously, yeah, you knew right from the jump that we were going to get bloodshed. You knew that we were going to get all of the garbage, plunder, all that kind of shit that Matt Michaels absolutely loves. And, yeah, it it, it either, it's, it's a very, very polarizing type of a match. You either love it or you hate it. And, um... Yeah, they definitely tried some new things. Um, I don't think that it touched last year. I mean, the whole visual of Eddie Kingston looking like he's gone through hell, stumbling down to the down to the ring carrying a gas can, threatening to set someone on fire. That's a little bit more menacing than what we got this year, even though it was quite explosive. I, I got a question for you, Steve. Um, there's a lot of hoopla on the band that played the wild thing and primarily the lead singer showed up in they call it impromptu blackface but even still right and i look at their twitter following probably about 1500 you know followers and the you know like the greatest like you know claim to fame is collabing with mox in aew right so from a live crowd perspective was there a reaction to any of that, or did everybody just go like to the match at hand? Or match. okay, and even Honestly, as we're like, leaving, it, nobody. It, it, it really didn't make too much of a of a difference. I mean, you know, last year they had Wild Thing playing on a loop, and they had Jericho destroy the soundboard, uh, which in turn got him major heat. Uh, this year they had the live band doing it, and it was it was kind of interesting because. You know, they played through it one full time. 
and then they start it up again and there's a pop for it. They start it up again, there's an even louder pop for it. So it's actually elevating. And then the super kick spot happened. Um, it was cool. I mean, I, I didn't even pay any attention to the lead vocalist at all. Um, yeah, there's there's a time and a place for things. And has have they come out and said anything about? No, no, they haven't. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, all, all yeah. that I'll say, all that I'll say is, even if it's unintentional, you need to be able to read the room. You need to be able to to see that we are in 2023. You have to double and triple check every single thing that you do, so that it cannot be construed as anything. Because God forbid, the cancel mob comes for you. And not just that, but they, you know, they purport themselves AEW heels. There's right. initiatives to, in, like, an inclusionary initiative and what have you. And then yeah. this goes under, you know, it's just like what yeah. happened with Mauro Ronaldo and JBL, right? You want to be a star, be a star, but you've got, like, a commentator that comes from, to you from kind of wrestling adjacent, right? You grew up in Calgary, but also did, you know, pride and everything like that. But he's getting bullied. All the while, you're showing like every you know commercial break a BSR initiative. It's kind of hyperbole. Yeah, but you know, I I was gonna say real quick before we jump on um, something that was mentioned a little bit earlier, um, and I didn't mention it. Branding. I think that you know, a lot of things that people will say that AEW does lack is branding, because they rely so heavily on their fans. Now reason why I'm saying that is when you brand something, you have to account for not only your fans, but also for new, you know, new pe people new to the product. And I feel like AEW does sometimes do fall short of that. And that's only coming from me from trying to get other people, you know, because they know I watch WWE, but I do like AEW and I try to get people to watch it. It's really, really, really hard. And it's very all all over the place. And again, you know, if they were do some more organizing and like I said before some seasoning, that could be helpful too. Because here's the thing. Um, as you stated, those four guys, the four pillars match, double nothing was was great. It was amazing. But that was because they consistently did those video packages and they tailored people to come along. If I had one person that was interested in watching double or nothing and I wanted to sell them on that match, I could have them go back and watch just those those video packages, right? We know this is timelessly what WWE does, but I didn't see that same due care for other matches. So it just kind of looked like, what the hell? Well, like, okay, it's exciting, it's cool, but yep. it, there wasn't much. And so that's why I said before, like, these are misses that AEW's having. And I will say this and I'll close out and we'll move on. I do want AEW to keep continuing to come to Vegas. I really honestly yep. do. But if they're going to keep missing these things, they're going to miss an opportunity because this city is going to, the landscape is going to be a lot different in about five years. And whoever was already grandfathered in is going to benefit from that. They opt out and go somewhere else. They may not have an opportunity to get that spot locked in. I'll say that then. Okay. I just want to take a quick second to uh, say I am hoping that Don is getting better. You're in the hospital, buddy. And uh, definitely looking out to see you uh, getting better and uh, hanging out with you soon. So uh, take care of yourself and thank you for tuning in. You are definitely uh, a unique superhero, buddy. So hang in there and uh, take care of yourself. Um, one of the things when you're talking about this that I really kind of have a 
a big problem with was the fact that on Dynamite, we get Jericho and Soraya yes. versus Adam Cole and Britt Baker. And that's Why? the match that we should have gotten at the fucking pay-per-view. Yeah. Yes. That's the fucking match that we should have gotten 100%. at the pay-per-view. Not just not just the match up, but the match that they did on Dynamite Yep, was a better match than what we got at that pay-per-view. Which it's going to devalue your pay-per-view audience because yep. if you know you can just wait until Wednesday, you're cannibalizing your business in even a bigger way than what WWE did when they moved everything to the network, right? You literally mm -hmm. have – you found the people that in a market that we've got what – you know, New Japan World, all of these streaming services that you can get your co combat sports or even YouTube where you can get everything a la carte, right, for free. You right. found a segment of people that will still mm -hmm. willing to pay 50, 60, $80 for a pay-per-view four yeah. times a year, if not more, and you give them this and only to be on Wednesday. So the pay-per-view basically was a infomercial to watch on Wednesday, but I paid $80 for the pay-per-view but wait, there's more, but not here, there? That's a problem. But, you know, um, again, before we move on, uh, Loki MVP, I don't know if you guys caught the pre-show, but RJ City had an interview with Arn Anderson where Arn Anderson, uh, they were like, hey, uh, RJ City basically was like, hey, you got your gun tonight? Ask your mama, says Arn, thank you for my new stepdaddy, Arn Anderson. That, to me... <laughs> was the low-key MVP spot of the night. And again, you guys were talking about like veterans in the ring that yeah. AEW has on its roster. You know, Dustin Rhodes. Like there's a litany of people. But behind the scenes, you've got Arn. At one point, you had the Brain Busters, Tully and Arn, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Jerry Lynn, uh, what's it, uh, BJ Whitmer. Like literally, people who have drawn money in different era eras Dean Malenko, top of the, when Jonathan Griffin yep. is talking about like, well, I'm this place in the PWI. Malenko five six, number yep. one in the PWI, not winning a championship to boot. Yep, right. Exactly. So I'm just saying, and you have all of that, and and I have a kind of a low key tinfoil hat theory. If Cody Khan, when he launched AEW, right, knew the access of talent that he was going to have in about twenty months, maybe the EVPs. Aren't EVPs? I'm just saying. Oh, I, I, without a doubt, that's the yeah. one of the first things when when AW first came out and they said this EVP shit. I was like, offstruck. Like, what the fuck does that mean? Is this is just a gimmick? And no disrespect to those guys and what they put into it. I'm just saying, I would have never picked my cabinet to go in. Yeah. Just, so it's that's it. You know, and, and the young bucks. I'll give them the credit where they're too. We didn't see vlogging, right? It right. brought to wrestling the way we did, you know, and Colt Cabana has it. We never saw podcasting. Yeah. What we're all doing now in the form right. of it. He was an innovator, right? Yep. As were the Bucks, the fact that they could get their stuff in a worldwide, worldwide brand like Hot Topic, right? But then what? It's like, then the bell rang. That's what we're getting now. Then the bell rang. This is like a Berserker John Nord Iron Man match. We didn't see it because we didn't need to see it. We didn't see Jared Dog doing 90 minutes with Flair because it ain't happening, right? 15 minutes, maybe at best. This is what we're seeing. That time in the sun that the Young Bucks, and even the fact that they have AEW is all elite wrestling. 
when Sean and, and Trips are on top, all degenerate wrestling, WWD, like they pretty yeah. much they pretty much book ended their entire company on the elite being there. If they're to go for whatever reason, lack of job performance or what have you, or just the nepotism gifts that they had, well, what do we got? What's AEW like? Love them or hate them without the elite. Well, one guy is already out of here, mm-hmm. and he's the top draw for the other company. So what do we got? I mean, you know, they could always they could always go the route of WWE and just call themselves all entertainment wrestling, you know. Do you know what? Well, I say this. I'm totally kidding with that, by the way. No, no, I, I, I know you are, but but, that but no, 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 no. But 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 that's a good point because although you're joking about that, there's a huge mass of people who use that as their parade to start with for every tribalistic argument they can, and it's sad to where I just listen and I'm like. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and, and listen, if you're going to if you're going to do this, the the bullshit about this whole thing is exactly this. It's very simple. AEW is doing what exactly the WWE does, but they do it in a poorer fashion with their storytelling. They, quote, have better wrestling. All right. Because they have people that the fan base enjoys more but do not reach the scope of the WWE because the WWE is an entertainment company and it's easier to retain eyes, especially younger eyes, for that period of time and then lose them and bring them back when they have kids. AEW has a hard time getting more fans interested because you have a stickler base that is all about, oh no, we're about wrestling, wrestling. Oh, did you see that fucking fire to his face and exploding kick and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what the fuck is going on? Make up your mind, kids. Yes. It's all entertainment, regardless. And you you know what? Like they say, uh, blondes are a dime a dozen, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend. That's that's a saying. It was way before me. I, I'm just kind of, you know, canarying it. But, <laughs> lots of blondes. Yeah. So with that all being said, a go- good match is a dime a dozen, yeah. right? You could go to FSW. You could go to Rival Pro. You could go to your mm-hmm. local indie and see a great match, you know, and, and what you guys, the, your assessment of a hot crowd, you know, can carry a, a mediocre match, like whatever. What constitute as a good match are a diamond dozen right now you can see it everywhere literally you can Mm -hmm. throw a rock and you'll find a great match right but the storyline behind it right um at at a precipice where both companies right in the wwe and aew are linked to essentially two larger conglomerates aol time warner or you know time warner hbo max whatever for aew and then WWE is a part of Endeavor, right? You know, along with the UFC. So now you have access to a bigger fan base, right? And a bigger conglomerate. You have everything that you need to be successful in ways that TNA and whoever, Wrestlelicious, WoW have failed before, right? But what? You haven't grown your fan base out of what initially came in with you. And you got to remember... You, you know, you guys, say to Steve, you were talking about the you know the 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 arena taped off, right? 
Well, that's what WWE had going into that two-year lockdown that we were all in, right? That is that is it, right? So with that all being said, um, AEW predicated their entire kind of baseline business strategy on the fact that WWE sucked. Vince McMahon was a tyrannical dictator. It's no longer that. It's gotten better. Actually, they, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of creative... One would argue, even though I'm not a Roman Reigns fan, the Bloodline storyline, pretty damn good. So I'm just saying. You know what's also in, in interesting as well, and we kind of touched on a little bit, is we always go to the comparison between what WWE is doing and what AEW is doing. AEW, I get having to go back and do some of those things. But if you're not looking to do that better, then what are you doing? You're wasting your resources. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I They're doing this all the time. What they could be doing is going what they did when they first started, coming up with their own branding, coming up with their own identity. They lost track of that. Sin, Sin City, Steve, you tell me, do you feel that AEW in these past, where we're going on four years, five years, five years, four years? How many years? Four years. Four years. Four years. Four-ish years, right? Are they starting to lose their initial brand? I don't know if they're starting to lose their their initial brand, but I ultimately I think that the last year has been a serious downturn for that company. You can you can quite frankly, you can date it back to uh, double or nothing last year here in Vegas when CM Punk won the world title from Hangman Page. Um, and that laid the seeds for what we saw after all out. And then the fallout from that set the company on a, an extremely downward trajectory. Um, and we're still looking to see if they can hopefully rebound from it. I'm and glad America, you said that. I'm yeah, glad America. you said that because it's, it's, it's deja vu for me. Yeah. Same, same thing happened with TNA when they decided to go impact wrestling. And, and I feel I feel the same exact way. American Bam Bam said it at the same time you were saying it, Steve. They lost mm-hmm. track of it when Punk acted a fool and had to be benched for nine months. So you know that that definitely uh, it's all good points. Um, but one of the things you guys said uh, that will kind of move us in a different direction here that um, I think is very um, apparent, and that is the idea of storylines make a difference because there are so many good matches there are a dime a dozen nowadays and one of the things that brings us to is the fact that during AEW's weekend there was a hell of a lot of good independent wrestling and one of the things that i stood out noticed was the idea of um you know all these shows were shows that were basically put together for the most part without many stories to them all right these were just matchups of wrestlers that maybe you haven't seen or maybe it is a continuation that you've seen them wrestle uh you know maybe on the east coast uh each other a couple times but never in the west coast different examples of matches that were solid but not necessarily because of the actual stories behind the feuds um just the talent itself 
you know, th there was a lot going on. Uh, GCW, of course, was in town. They had a great show on Friday night. FSW, uh, Future Stars of Wrestling, went against GCW, and it was uh, <laughs> it was it was a great time um, because of the fact that. Uh, those guys worked their asses off and the fans were into it a hundred percent. Um, there were a lot of other good shows, uh, that went on. I know Steve, you, you took, uh, you know, part in some of these, uh, anything stand out to you during the actual, uh, full tilt weekend during AEW's Memorial Day weekend? Uh, yes. Uh, the MVP for me from double or nothing weekend was Matt Vandegrift. Um, she he uh, he won the Legends Rise tournament, uh, won the Future Legends title, um, defeating Jack Cartwheel, Jordan Oliver, and Titus Alexander in an elimination four-way to win that championship. Uh, it was a single-night tournament. Um, elsewhere involved in the tournament, people like Billy Starks, uh, Alec Price. Um, it was it was a very very solid show, um, and quite frankly, um, that right along with the, uh, the, the standard GCW show are up there for me, uh, as far as Matt, uh, shows of the weekend. Um, yep. so, you know, everybody just killing it. Uh, quite frankly, I didn't expect to see Zack Sabre Jr. in a GCW ring in, uh, North Las Vegas at the silver nugget. Um, yep. yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had any of those things in that order. Uh, if, but, if, uh, so be it. If we, uh, we those, saw that. For those who can't see, Adam's face just went. <laughs> the Silver Nugget still exists. Yeah. Oh yeah. It sure so does, man. That was the the place where I saw my first uh, live wrestling event at all. Um, it was like Junkyard Dog and Iron Sheik on top. This had to be ninety four, ninety three, ninety four. Yeah, absolutely. RVD had like a desktop calendar. Uh, you know split with the the dumbbells and everything like that do they still have the casino on top and then you have to go yep. down into holy shit yeah holy yeah. shit i got goosebumps <laughs> look at that that was the literally the site when the year or so that i lived in vegas that was the site like every and, and nothing, other friday nothing has changed no, the, same. Oh, the, same. They, they, the they, smell they, the they smell have, is the same yeah. the stuff okay. hanging from the yeah. ceiling either yeah. in that amount of time okay yeah. Uh, that's that's the place where Virgil tried to steal my mom. Uh, that is also <laughs> like I was standing in line, a big you know Bret Hart fan. Here's Jim the Anvil, Nightheart, whatever. Standing in line, whatever, and I literally get pushed to my ass as like a seven, eight year old kid. I look up and here's fucking you know uh, fucking uh, chesticles of Jim the Anvil, Nightheart, and I was just in front of the Newport. You know, cigarette machine with the fucking pulleys and whatever, mm -hmm. and his belly just fucking knocked me to my ass right before. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I saw Sabu play. Well, Sabu run the fuck out because people were trying to expose his gimmick. Uh, that didn't sound right. Uh, but as we were, you know, playing bowling after the show, me, and my parents, and my sister, uh, you know, at the far end. So I am so glad that the fucking Silver Nugget exists. It's a. It was actually the. Last place where I saw a junkyard dog alive uh, because awesome. he would die. Uh, wow. I would say like this was right after he did that um, ECW deal. Hmm. So within probably two months of him passing away. Wow. So yeah, um, 
Oh, so many great memories. Actually, I saw fucking Jerry Lynn versus Rob Van Dam two years before they did it in ECW. Jerry Lynn nice. was coming off of, uh, uh, what is it, Global on the ESPN. Mm-hmm. And then fucking RVD was coming off of uh, Robbie V in WCW. So I right. knew them of that. Um, so, yeah. Fuck yeah. Silver Nugget. Fuck yes. Now, yeah, you, uh, mentioned, you mentioned Jerry Lynn. I'm going to kind of tie it back into what we were talking about a little bit ago. At the last ROH tapings, uh, Tony Khan brought out Stokely Hathaway and Jerry Lynn and stated that they were on the ROH board of directors. So I don't believe that it's going to be an on-camera like authority figure. I legit think that he's going to have them booking and matchmaking for Ring of Honor. I, I love it. I mean, uh, <laughs> but the craziest thing I saw was uh, Madison Rain uh, on the dais to to book the uh, fuck it, like the third the or judges. fourth tier behind Lacey or in front of Lacey Von Eric and the beautiful people judging a ROH pure title match. Right on. You know, one thing that I think about in in it, we you know, Michael's a like you were going to go in that direction, so I thought about it. Go ahead. The reason why a lot of you know these indie shows do so great and you know as we said you can see great 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 matches is because for us wrestlers you don't really need a storyline because a lot of it is it's, it's just like it's, it's a cultural fest at the end of the day it's a wrestling cultural fest that's what i look at it and it doesn't matter what town you you, you go to you know when you have your wrestlemanias you have your double and nothings people can engage and experience the culture at its purist right um it's devoid of all of the uh the you know you know the financial gains and in special this and that you know it's good and it's fun so yes storylines do mean something on a higher level i feel but i also feel at the same uh at the same time uh, i'll take it back to um uh what you call it i think it was this past monday night raw aj aj styles was saying you couldn't you couldn't you couldn't hack it in uh indie wrestling you see what I'm saying? Where I come from, you know, that type of thing is the culture. So for anybody new or anybody pre-existing, and as you stated, Two Woods, how those memories flood back, you know, you remember if, if when you first started, like my parents couldn't afford to, to, to give me no tickets to no WWE event or anything like that. But I remember when I first got a chance to go to some indie wrestling, I remember the smell. I remember how hot it was. I remember how uncomfortable, but I didn't give a shit because it was fun. What I saw. You know, I didn't know who it was. But again, that's an experience that somebody can have. Also, uh, an asterisk, they were four for 20 uh, at the Silver Nugget. So that's that's how we got to see it. And I think I got, like, because I was a remedial, like, English whatever. I think I got, like, a, a handicapped student discount. For <laughs> so <laughs> I'm the prototypical, unprototypical wrestling fan. I'm maybe in my basement right now. That's okay. Best the best things happen in the basement. Say, I mean, say, that's what. Say hi, your mom, say hi to your mom for us, man. Huh? Say hi to your mom for us. Okay. Um, she's. Uh, <laughs> so I thought you were going to yell upstairs. I, I don't know. Actually, like I thought you were going to do it. She's cremated in my clock. Ne- never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> Buffalo Bill, all the way. <laughs> Buffalo Bill. Oh my God. There you go. If you're from Vegas. Uh, You'll, you'll know Buffalo Bill. Yes. Um, <laughs> right at state line. <laughs> all right. So you could uh, die on that on that on that uh, roller coaster, by the way. All uh, right. Living up to the name. If, uh, Sorry. If, 
as we as we kind of wrap up wrestling talk here, uh, you know, final thoughts, guys, each of you. Uh, anything that stood out to you in this week? Uh, just want to mention really quick. Uh, let's start with uh, Simon Street. Uh, this week, you mean in all of wrestling or just AEW? Yeah, all okay. of wrestling. Anything that you saw this week stood out to you? Um, the one thing that stood out in my mind is just the confirmation that uh, I'm on point when I say I'm no, we're talking AEW, but WWE, Shinsuke Nakamura, 100, 100 fucking percent, launch him to the moon. That match he had with Bronson Reed. If that don't tell you, it is his time. And also L.A. Knight. A lot of potentials for money in the bank to where, I mean, you you hear that crowd on SmackDown? They were, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to shut the fuck up. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, Sin City, Steve? All right, so we, uh, we have two matches announced for AEW New Japan Forbidden Door taking place three weeks from tonight. Uh, Will Ospreay defeating Lance Archer in the finals of the tournament to determine who is going to face Kenny Omega for the IWGP United States Championship. Lance Archer. So Omega Osprey, Forbidden Door, sign me up. Forbidden Door is going to be awesome. I, I see. I see two people on the panel like rolling their eyes, and and then I see one other person saying it's going to be awesome. So you know, uh, no, well, just... well, I like Forbidden Door because it goes back to what I said. It it it. It's like a clash of two worlds. Yeah, I know it sounds bad. Like like the one the long and the one the whole. But my point is Forbidden Door is like a, a wrestling fest. You don't need to have concrete storylines. It's just the best of both worlds collide. It's it's fun. Definitely. And it all happens inside of Wood's basement. <laughs> oh, right here. Like right there. Right there. So that is the Forbidden Door. Uh, I mean, that's what consent is always sexy, folks. There Thanks. you go. Touch your toes um, and still run out loud. You know, we're <laughs> checking for polyps here. <laughs> All right, Steve. And, and really quick, the other match that we that we uh, that we are getting at Forbidden Door will be Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada. Thank you, God. Uh, it happened after the never open weight six man titles were defended. Okada, Tanahashi, and Ishii defeating Moxley, Claudio, and Shota Umino. And yeah, they said the BCC said that they had a message, and uh, you had Okada standing in the ring, Brian Danielson on the on the edge of a cliff, being all zen, and he uh, just summed up the promo saying that when you get in the ring with him, that it's the fucking desert, and it and there's not going to be any rain. I loved it, dude. I, I, I signed me up already. Forbidden Door is going to be fucking dope, and it's three weeks from tonight. All right, Adam Woods. What do you got? Oh, my God. I'm going to blame the Endeavor uh, for the fucking WWE belts being so shit. It, <laughs> they're so shit. One looks like the fucking Golden Nugget took a shit. I, I mean, I'm sorry, took uh all over fucking Seth Rollins' <laughs> fucking belt, belly region, right? And then the other one looked like a, a, a version of Snoop Dogg's smoker belt that somebody stole not too long ago going into mania and whatever the fuck like like those that's what it is and the ufc they call them legacy titles or whatever they look like a fucking golden paper plate you know that you have at a cookout and a barbecue or whatever that's a shit belt compared to the other one right the the, the what i consider the legacy title right and then 
now that they've acquired WWE and the TKO and whatever the fuck, well, now we get shitty belts for WWE. So fuck off Endeavor is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> uh, that, yes. Uh, LA Knight, Nakamura, push him to the moon. I mean, fucking fly me to the moon before any of those matches. Um what else is there? God. Oh, shout out to uh, the good brother of uh, Alex Coughlin and, and uh, Gabriel Kidd joining the fucking Bullet Club, uh, oh, yeah. which most people yeah. think that the Bullet Club is overdone, and maybe it is, but like for those new guys and for the new LA New Japan Dojo to be featured in such a prominent spot, yes. I think it's fucking amazing. So shout out to the good brothers. Um, I guess a cheap plug, like uh, Coughlin was uh, talking about his New Japan situation on the According to Woods podcast right before Bloodsport going into WrestleMania week. Um, so that's there. Um, but yeah, shout out to, to them. But yeah, the fucking oh, yeah. shitty titles. Make better titles. And I know what they're doing because they, you know, uh, I think Bixel makes W, I mean, uh, UFC's belts and then the little like jewelry that nobody buys. I've never seen anybody rock a Bixel anything, right? And then the first incarnation of what we now know is the WWE Universal whatever. The really weird shit logo was done by the American Chopper guys. So that, that first one that The Rock debuted, what have you. And we're, you know, I think because of the lawsuits of like Randy Orton's tattoos and the WWE video games and all that whatever, we're going to get generic titles. Gone are the Reggie Parks, Dave Milliken, yeah. Rico Mann, Jamar, you name them. Name your favorite belt maker and your favorite belt design. They are gone because this is the new era. I mean, it's not the Switchblade era. It's the shit belt era. Also, the entrance videos are very basic as well. 100% they are. Um, and I love how Triple H gave the same nondescript reasoning for the fucking title <laughs> like you gave us nothing like you just in the back and you know in gorilla watch the episode of seinfeld i got it fuck and go to the ring it's like <laughs> fucking nothing how is how is it the undisputed universal championship i mean especially when there's the world heavyweight championship now on the other show and also roman's one of roman's titles also says world heavyweight champion yep <laughs> and then you're like oh the our world champion doesn't fucking defend this shit. Rather than strike him, we're going to give a fucking mediocre title to somebody else. And then we're going to do it in Saudi Arabia, party. the fucking blood money show. Fuck it's yeah. A fucking, it's a fucking participation trophy. It is. And, listen, and is Roman listen, listen, three? Listen, listen. Talk, talk all you want to fucking talk about this. Okay. Uh, the, the idea of titles really doesn't fucking matter at all anyway, because Jade Cardgill, who was ninety five thousand and oh, no, she was in forty seconds to Chris Statlander for no fucking reason. So again, I hate that they jumped high out. Like, but the stories yeah. are yes, even worse. Thank you. I, yeah, I, I, but Jade should have never been sixty and oh. She hey. didn't earn that. Oh fuck! You ask the, every fucking enhancement talent that wrestled her with that were fucking black and blue. They'll tell you that she that, yeah. that was shoot. That was fucking shoot. Where's fucking uh, Sin Cara and Mystico's ass? Talking about all the Lucha Libre fucking fights and shoots. Fucking Jade Cargill. Send her to Mexico. Fuck it. She'll fuck everyone up. 
All right. On that note, everyone, we are going to be uh, ending wrestling talk. We're going to be switching over to free count here in a second. If you're watching and uh, tune back on in a few minutes here. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast again, uh, you could tune in tomorrow for uh, three count. And um, again, it's according to Woods. So if you want to tune in and catch a Woods show, uh, feel free to uh, look them up on all the wonderful streaming podcast platforms out there. And I post dumb shit on the socials too at the same um, underscore whatever the fucks. Yeah, so look for dumb shit on according to Woods because it really is some dumb shit. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of dumb shit, but if you want specifically good dumb shit, go there. There you go. There you go. Your outlet for good dumb shit according to Woods. Exactly. So That's my tagline. Uh, again, thank you very much for tuning in this week to Wrestling Talk. And uh, until next week, uh, you guys, happy wrestling.